more of God, but I, I know that the enemy would like to plant something. He'd like to plant the seed of hypocrisy. And that a lot of times when we begin, we start off, right, wanting to know God and wanting to know his word, wanting to know who he is, wanting to know what we've been made for. And we're made for family. We're made to live for him. We're made to be on mission. But I also want to say that as, that, as there's pure hunger in us, the enemy will come alongside to plant a seed of hypocrisy. Many of us have that. And I just want to admonish everyone that please don't give into the spirit of religion, which just means, oh, I want to know God for his knowledge. I want to critique and pick every little word. Could I just say there's great paradoxes in the Bible. On one side, this Acts 17, test everything. But on the other side of things, it's not that we don't test. It's just be careful how much you critique because it's not about critiquing. It's not about getting everything just right because I say that even though the Bereans, they honored God and they had a great church. You can go visit today in Greece in that city and see where Paul went. Those people had a strong church. But on the other side, the Pharisees perished. They're now in hell. They're, They're not born again. They're not believers. Why? Well, how could someone test the word and be in heaven and know him? And test everything. And the other side, they critiqued everything. And now they're in hell. How is that? It's the heart. Everything has to do with the heart. And here's what I know about the heart. There are, and what I know about seeds. When you plant something that's good, it just takes a while for it to grow and you receive its fruit. But you also know along with it are the tares. They're the weeds. weeds. You can't avoid them, right? I mean, I know for us, we... We pick weeds and our once a week, we can't even keep up with it. We just, they just keep growing and growing and growing. We're like, how do we stop this stuff? You know? But what I would say though, it's, it is important to understand that even th- there can be a very healthy church like this, but all the while there, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked to know that the enemy will sow tares into this place. There will be wolves in sheep's clothing. There will be people who name the name of Jesus, but don't know him. There will be people who say the right things, but actually are far from him. There are people that say, hey, they're in it for long haul and all those things, but they're not. But how do you know? How, I mean, do you just go around and try to d- detect it somehow? Are you the real deal? I mean, you can't, but time will tell. It, time will tell. And when that time comes, don't be shocked that that person is not the person that you thought they were. And that doesn't mean it discredits the word of God because the word of God endures forever. People don't. And that is, I just want to modest. I mean, that's not part of any message here, but just a little introduction. Okay. It is important to know that. And that's, I mean, it's like, oh, it's kind of intense. That's in the Bible, by the way, all of it. Uh, The Bible is intense. We're just his people that deliver the scriptures. That's my job. That's what God's called me to do. Uh, And it's a wonderful calling. And I just, I love the church. I know that these things are hard. So what I would say is today, if you're taking notes, nice, that looks cool. All right. I just, I guess I didn't notice that. Do you always have that every week? I, sometimes I notice things later. I'm like, oh, cool. All right. Um, but this, this one, part one, uh, this is Peter's sermon. This is God's great growth plan for the church. It's to preach the gospel. So we're going to get into Peter's sermons. So we're going to understand how the church grew. The church doesn't just grow out of nothing. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just mean that, hey, the disciples were there and they were Christians. It doesn't just mean all of a sudden it multiplies. And we'll go through the scriptures and show you. But I do want to invite, because we have a building, I've never done this before, but because we have a building, I would invite you to come back at two o'clock because I am going to be preaching on part two of God's growth plan. That's how to handle conflict. Because see that when God, he, he will, we, we could preach the gospel all we want, and people will come in. It's a wonderful thing. It's going to happen. I mean, people are going to, it's going to grow. 
But how do you avoid the mess? You can't really. But how do you, God also grows the church by handling conflict. In other words, something a little bit more edgy, which Jesus said, confronting sin. And how, you cannot have either, you can't, you can't be a church who just confronts sin all day long. You got to be a church that preaches the gospel, but you can't just be a church that preaches the gospel. Because if you do, that's great. People will come in. But how many know there are false converts? There are people who say they know Jesus, and then as soon as they're confronted with sin, they're out. Well, we shall know them by their what? Fruit. Again, this is, Jesus is doing, he, he preaches this stuff because he, he, one, he loves the church so much, and two, he doesn't want us to be alarmed. He doesn't want us to be uh, shocked, as Peter says, like, uh, that this is actually happening in the church. All right, so Acts 2, 14 to 21. So again, go get lunch. If you want to come back, we're just going to go through Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Very simple. All right, cool. I thought we'd do like a night, sir. Then we have ADS. We invite you tonight, but we have ADS, so it's a marathon. Sundays are a marathon. But we, we have our own place. This is wonderful. So, all right. So we, it's the way it should be. Church should be all day. It, 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 <laughs> Some of you are like, no, it shouldn't. It should. We need to be equipped. We need to know the word. We need to know who Jesus is. He's good. I love it. If I could just spend all day with the Lord, I would. And it's a wonderful thing to be in his presence and his people. All right. So the, the, if you guys go there, Acts 2, 14 to 21, like I said, this is Peter's sermon. They just, uh, they got rocked by the Holy Spirit. They busted open the doors and they just started preaching in foreign languages also known as tongues. And yesterday, or last week, I talked about that these are actual languages. They're real languages. Now understand that these guys were Judeans. They didn't understand all those languages. They didn't understand, as I listed off the many different cities that they came in, 16 different regions. Some were uh, Iran, Southwest Iran, Mesopotamia, the different regions, Africa, People come from all over the place. They did not know the language. The, the Judeans, were, who were mostly uneducated, did not know the language. So it was a miracle that they just started preaching this message to people in their own language. It was, in other words, the gift of tongues at that time in Acts 2. We're not discussing 1 Corinthians 14, so don't get nervous. We're just, we'll, we'll get there sometime. But Acts 2 as it relates to this passage, to do diligence with it, it's speaking of foreign languages. That's what it's speaking of. And they had that crazy gift. I mean, how many know it's supernatural? They could not, they didn't study, they didn't have time to study it. And they're like, all these people are out there. Okay, you get one, 120, divvy it up. Everyone get a language and let's study crash course in five minutes. No, they went out and boom, they got the languages and they just started speaking and people came to know Jesus by that. Am I saying that that gift has ceased? I really don't know. There's no proof in that. I believe that there are places around the world where missionaries maybe have gone and maybe they got the language, but it needs to be a foreign language. In other words, I don't know Russian. I go to Russia. I start speaking. I speak it. I bring Sam with me. Sam's with me. He inter- he's got the gift of interpretation. He doesn't know Russian. All of a sudden, boom, the people, all of Russia get saved. Come on, let's do it. It's wonderful. And I, I believe, I mean, come on. It's God, God obviously gave that gift. I believe that that can happen. But understand, it's a foreign language. It's something that they would understand. And enough said about that. All right. So the gospel, okay, so basically the, the big picture here is we are called to preach the gospel. And I'm just going to go through these passages. There's a lot of them, okay? So if you need to go back to the message, you can watch it on video. You can get all the, mess, uh, all the passages. But I encourage you this week, and of course, and in life group, uh, and your discipleship time, to go through these passages and not just say, oh, I don't necessarily know what this means. Just do it. Do the word. Practice that. Because Christians do the word. Christians are not meant to just study the word. They're meant to do it. I don't know what's going on here, going in and out here. All right. Um, All right, so Acts 4.2, it says, they were being greatly disturbed as they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Acts 5.42, 
Every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Acts 4 or 8, 4. Therefore, those who have been scattered went around preaching the word over and over and over. I mean, I'll, I'll list. There's, 12, there's 11 of them to read, and then there's another 10 more verses on top of that, which I won't read. But they believed in Philip, and when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom and in the name of Jesus Christ, they, began, they were being baptized, men and women alike. That's Acts 8.12. Acts 8.25, so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem. And, when, and then there, preaching the gospel to many villages and the Samaritans. 8.35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to them. Of course, you know that was, we'll go through that, but it was Isaiah 53. Uh, and then in Acts 9.20, Paul began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. And then Acts 11.20 there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. 14.7, they, they fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, Derby, and surrounding region, and they were continuing preaching the gospel. And then 10 more verses, ultimately ending with 28.31, Paul's under house arrest in Rome, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. That's the last verses of the scriptures. It was... God just gave him a window, just said, feel free, preach the gospel. That's how the world is going to know Jesus. And so Jesus did the same thing in Matthew 4, 17. Like I said, there's, it's heavy on the scriptures, but it's, it's getting to a point because here's the thing. I can tell you to go preach the gospel. I can tell you to do that. And I have authority, delegated authority to do that. But the reality is it's backed up by the scriptures, and that the, the people in the book of Acts, they did that. Carlin just got up here, gave us heart for evangelism. All of us are called to share the gospel. How, all of us are saying, oh man, I just want to reach more people. It's not through flyers. It's through the gospel. It's through preaching the gospel. They didn't give out flyers. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have any of those tools. Although they, they, God can use them, right? God can use that. But the point was, everyone had a biblical mandate to preach the gospel themselves. All right, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 1, 14. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of God. Luke 4, 43. Jesus said, I must preach the gospel of God to all, to all this, to other cities for that is why I was sent. Jesus continued to preach the gospel. That is why he came and then he goes on to say that the same thing in Mark 1, 38, 39. He said to them, let us go elsewhere to the towns nearby so that I might preach there also, for that is why I came. He and he went into their synagogues throughout all of Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. Luke 8, 1, soon afterwards, he began going around from city and village to another, from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. What was he doing? He was modeling his mission how to accomplish his mission. He just, he simply showed them. He wasn't not doing that. Can you imagine if Jesus never preached and then all of a sudden at the very end, before he ascended, he said, hey, by the way, preach. Oh, I don't know, how do I preach? Like, how are we gonna preach? They, they understood preaching, but what they needed was power to preach. They understood the gospel message. It was very clear. Jesus was with them. He was telling them what this message was all about and then reminded them later. And then Luke 20, verse 1, it says, On one of these days, while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and scribes with the elders confronted him. This message will come with, what? Confrontation. Opposition. It always will. That's why it always feels weird to do it. Why is it like, you can easily talk to your neighbor and say, hey, what's the what's the weather like? Or what's, what's the weather tomorrow? Or what, what, do you, what did you eat for dinner last night? Nothing weird about that. But when, as soon as you bring up, not just God, by the way, but when you bring up Jesus, it's like, whoa, you can even feel it. You can feel it in your, your, your body and you can feel it. You can almost feel it in theirs <laughs> and you can feel it in the atmosphere. It's like, what's going on? And that is because there's spiritual warfare as it relates to getting that gospel, because that gospel is so powerful, it has the power, right? In Romans 1.16, the power to save. No other, the weather doesn't have that power. 
the, the talk about what you ate last night doesn't have that power. It literally has saving power for people to be saved. That's amazing. And that's why we've been mandated to, to preach the gospel. And so it says in Luke 14, or I'm sorry, Luke 4, 16 to 21, that we've mentioned this so many times. This is his mandate. This comes from Isaiah 61, 1. And he says, and he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And it was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And by probably sheer providence, just, or a lot of times it's mentioned that that was the next verse. It just, it was providence. It was just the next verse. So they had, they had a reading plan. And so the next verse, it was just so happened to be Jesus, the one who fulfilled that. Isn't that awesome? That's pretty sweet to be there in that moment of like, this is it. This is what we've all, all Jewish boys, this is what we've all been waiting for. We've all talked about this so, so many times. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So every time they read that, the spirit of the Lord is on me, but there was no, the me wasn't there. The me was there that Saturday. It was, he was there. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, that means not just physical, it was not poverty in cash, although Jesus does mention that later, right? That uh, it's hard for a rich man to get to heaven because you have everything. But he's also talking about Matthew 5. He's saying the poor in spirit, those who understand they're spiritually bankrupt, they are left to themselves, they'll never know God. And that is, those are the people he wants us to preach. Those are the people he went to. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, releasing people under the power of the enemy. We all are. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, it says all of us under the power of the enemy. We are blindfolded. From what? The gospel and the glory of God. It means everything. The whole, the whole not just the gospel message, Jesus came to die for Jesus, the glory of God. People can't see how good he is unless the Holy Spirit comes and opens up their eyes and not their physical, but the spiritual eyes and recovery of the sight to the blind. Again, physical. He did that. He, he laid hands on the blind. Of course, he saw them saved or saw them healed. And then also to set the free, set free those who are oppressed by the devil. It says in Acts 1038, if you want to read that. Jesus came to set people free from the oppression of the enemy, the thoughts of the enemy, the lostness, the, the, the hurts, the pains, the, all those things, but primarily to save people from their sin and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And homework tonight, read the rest of Isaiah 61. It's not in there because that day of judgment is actually coming because he didn't come to bring judgment on the earth. He only read a certain amount. He always said, okay, I'm done. I'm closing the book. So what he did, he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Can you imagine that? Just closed the book, sat down, and everyone's like, what in the world just happened? Why does it feel different in the room? Because God walked in and he read the very word that he wrote. That's the way our worship services should be, by the way. It shouldn't be an evaluation like the Pharisees. It should be a participation like Christians. It should be a participation. Of course, with testing. Don't throw your mind out when you come in. We need you to have the mind. Because we're supposed to worship God with all of our, what? Our soul, strength, our mind, and our hearts. All of it, everything. Our emotions, our strength, everything we got. Don't throw your mind away. And then the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. They're like, wow. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The only one that could have said that. It's time for the church to be in awe of the scriptures. It's time for the church to, to actually be in awe of God. If you're not, that's troublesome. I would evaluate that. I'd come to the front and get some prayer so that your heart could be soft. All right. He told his disciples to do the same. Matthew 10, 7 and as you go preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, he gave them practice, right? In Matthew 10, they are, Luke 10, they all, they all came together 
And he said, okay, I'm sending you out. And what happened? He, he gave instruction. They did their thing. I mean, we did that in Japan, right? We sent people out. What did we do? We, people came back and we shared our stories. We said, wow, this is what God did. Look at how he provided. Look at what he did. Look at how he touched people. And so he gave a, he's a great teacher. He showed people how to do it. And then he said, hey, it's better for me to leave and for you to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So because I can't be everywhere all, he gave that part to be everywhere all the time up in Philippians 2. He gave that up. He was God and man, same time, same, same, in the same body, same person, he's God and man, never gave that, but he gave up certain powers so when he, gave, when he went back into heaven, he gave the Holy Spirit. Now he can be at all places at all times. It means I can, in our household, he's there amongst us. But if I travel, he's still in the Curiali family. We're all six of us in our household could be different parts of the world. And he's with us. That means all present. That is a good thing. Buddha and Muhammad could do that. They couldn't do it. They're not all powerful. They're not all-knowing. They're not all-present. They're dead. They're completely dead in the grave. Bones, that's all that's left. But our God, Jesus, is with us wherever we go. And that is a good, that's good news. That is the good news. Like we were just like, like, uh, that's the good news. That's the gospel, good news. The good news is with us. The good news is he's, he loves us. He's with us. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. It's a wonderful thing. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I have an exciting news, by the way, an announcement soon. So just get ready. All right. So Paul was, <laughs> Paul's, <laughs> I can't do this. Paul's call, was, Paul's call was to preach the gospel as well. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 1, 17 to 25, I'm just giving you what is called a biblical theology or a systematic theology. I'm giving you theology basically saying, this is how you get the gospel everywhere. It went from the apostles, Jesus himself, his disciples, Paul, and then, and then I'm going to get to church history and to us. Okay. If you're following along. All right. So first Corinthians 1, 17 to 25 for Christ did not send me to baptize, although that was part of it right? Baptism, water baptism, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. This, if this sounds foolish to you, give your life to Jesus. Trust him. Let the Holy Spirit work on you. Plead with him. If this sounds ridiculous or if your heart's kind of like, just, I want to get out of here, that's not a good sign you're saved. That's scary. I would deal with that today. Today is the day of salvation. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? He's talking about the Romans and the Greeks. Has not, made, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. In other words, this simple message, like just this simple message of, of what God has done in our life, that can literally change. Like you mean to tell me that I was lost, completely lost, and I read this gospel, and I've, I went to Catholic school. I went for eight years as a grade school. I heard this stuff, and I didn't believe it. My parents weren't saved at the time. I didn't know. I knew religion. I knew about, but I didn't know him. And when that happened, when I, you mean to tell me, so I'm sitting in my dorm room in college and I read this message about the gospel and all of a sudden I believe it. That's miraculous. Everyone's like, I want to see a miracle. You just saw one. There is a miracle. This is a miracle right here. As if you knew my old life, you understand this is a miracle. It is a miracle. More than a broken leg becoming healed because that same broken leg might be healed and they might perish. That is the, that is the reason why this, if you want to see miracles, signs and wonders, you just saw one. <laughs> now I might need miracle growth for my hair, but I'll have nice flowing hair like Austin in heaven. 
Now, Jesus didn't tell me that, but I, I wish that he knows my heart. <laughs> and I want that. But I'm, not, but I'm not guaranteed that. I'm not guaranteed that, right? You can all agree with me in prayer. But this is a miracle. This is a sign and a wonder. And it points to Jesus. Signs and wonders, they always point to him. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block. Always was, and it still is. Gentiles, foolishness. They're always into their fancy preaching, their fancy ways. There are, and many preachers today and many churches are trying to get fancier and fancier. They just need to preach the gospel. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. He's talking about the Romans and Greeks and the Jews. The Jews always wanted a sign. In fact, remember that? Can I just get a sign, Jesus? The only sign that you'll have is that Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days. He's pointing to himself. The only sign that you'll ever see is me going in the grave and me coming out of the grave. That's the only sign that you need. That's the only sign that you actually really need because that's, that is the only thing that will lead you to heaven. I, could, I mean, I, if you want, Pharisee, I can literally, and I've given you enough, right? Get up, pick up your mat and go. They did. They didn't believe it. How much, how many miracles is enough? How many miracles is enough for you? How many friends do you need to finally you feel comforted. How many, how much money do you need in order to feel like, wow, I finally feel God's provision? How much is enough? You already had the sign. It's a done deal 2,000 years ago. There may not be another sign, another wonder. That's why the testimony, testimony, I am a testimony of what? New life. And there's plenty of Testimony. We can just go one by one. Maybe we'll do that one day. We have a building. From <laughs> Others, preaching in church history is amazing. It's profound. It's 16th century, the Reformation, October 31st, 1517. I was actually in Europe 500 years. The Reformation, it felt great. I was in Belgium. I was like, I can't believe it. One day it just dawned on me. I'm here. This is amazing. 500 years ago, there was revival. Real revival, by the way. Can I just say? Like real revival that lasts. Still hundreds of years later, still going, as opposed to some others. They actually had character. Luther, Calvin, John Knox, all these guys had character. You could vouch for their life and the message. Many of the people today, they don't last. But the message is, I can't even guarantee that that's true. But the reality is, these guys, they laid their life down. And as a result of that, they blessed so many people centuries later. Because they preached the gospel. Again, the point is, preaching is what changes the world. Preaching the gospel changes the world. It does. 17th century Puritans preached the clear gospel. 18th century Great Awakening, George Whitfield, John Wesley, and Jonathan Edwards. Powerful preaching. 19th century D.L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon, Joseph Parker, all these other guys you probably don't even know. But these, these guys, they changed the world by the preaching of the gospel. Today, it's hard to, hard to find them. But I do believe that there are some, perhaps maybe even in this room, who will preach the gospel on campus, who preach the gospel and the nations. I believe it. I, be, I mean, we talk about it all the time. We're called to be in it for the long haul. God has called us to be in this thing forever. God is a father, and he wants his children in it. It'd be silly for me to want my kids to start something and not finish it. it brings me great joy. It brings the father great joy for us to finish. So he says in Philippians 1, 6, he will finish it. He will finish what he started. Here's the, here's the catch. He doesn't finish what he doesn't start. And if you don't have it, it's not going to finish. So the only ones that don't finish are the ones who don't have it. 
And so that's why it's good to know. Examine, it says in, in Corinthians at the very end, it says, examine yourself to see if you're in the what? The faith. Not if you have faith. The faith means the faith. The faith for thousands of years. In the faith. We're all in the faith. We might struggle with faith, but the faith is solid, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> in the faith is solid, can't ever change. Your faith, well, that changes by the day, by the minute. And what produces faith is going back to the faith. Go back to the faith. The written word, what God has done, the testimony. Next, she got disciples in the book of Acts, biblical theology of Acts, preaching. Then you got what? You got Jesus modeling it. You got his disciples doing it. You got Paul. Paul's doing it too. He's, he's the... 13th apostle. He's doing it as well. And then also many people, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century, 20th, 21st we're in. And now Orlando, the nations, where Acts 1.8 says that we're to preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. When we came to plant the church, we had nobody. We just said, okay, well, God, if you called us to plant this church in Orlando, we don't have a clue about planting a church. I don't know anything about it. So help us. And he did. What was the main tool? The gospel. People's lives being touched by him. Yeah, people came and went. I mean, that's, that's not up to me. I don't, but my responsibility is to preach the gospel, to go onto campus to preach his word, and to go into the streets and preach, go to the neighbors and preach the word. That's what he does. And he does the work. All right. Next, Japan. We've Seen so much in Japan, the nations. I mean, God plant. We planted a church there. I mean, that, I just always baffles me even to say that. I'm like, how in the world did that happen? God, there's no other way. That is the most unreached nation on the planet, per capita numbers wise. It's amazing. We've also been very faithful to Miami. We've been faithful to our cities in Little Rock and New Orleans and the one I'm about to announce. The but the nations have been touched as well. So this is a testimony from Tachibana just the other day. We met three university students. We gave them the gospel manga. They listened to the gospel of Jesus, and one said he saw this manga for the second time. I mean, do you know how many people are in Kyoto itself? It's like, I've seen that. And then, you know, Japanese people, they don't lie. They don't mess around. I think I just make that up. It's amazing. Said he's a Buddhist university student, but he invited him to church, and we're just praying right now, Lord, save him. Because the gospel saves people. This is the tool. Understand the message does not change. The methods do not change. Contrary to the church, the modern church, they do not change. Do you know what changes? Literation, maps. You like that? Message, methods, maps. The maps change. The locations change. The Holy Spirit gives us the the next place to go to. But I'll tell you what, what doesn't change the message and the methods. Preaching the gospel to where the Lord leads you. All right, testimony from Ashley, one of our own, Ashley Bailey. All right. She met this uh, Japanese girl uh, last summer and she just decided to email her and this is what she says. How are you doing? This is, her name is Nagi or Grace. It is Grace. We met when you were in Japan doing your ministry work, it has been a while and I decided to contact you because earlier this year I joined a local church in Vancouver. I am back in Canada, which is awesome because Antioch wants to plant a church in Vancouver. That would be so cool. Now, and I, I'm in Vancouver now and I'm a part of a local church called Coastal Church. You came into my thoughts the other day and I have thought about writing an email to you. I am now getting to know Jesus as a new Christian. Joining church to me has been a lovely experience. I do not have a lot of Christian friends just yet. I have made new friends from this, from this church, and now they're my close friends. And I started to think, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I started to think I would like to expand my Christian fellowship network. <laughs> and so, I don't know how this translates, of course, you know, but I wanted to reach out to you and say, hi, I hope you're doing well during this pandemic season. Sure is a season. If you feel up to it, please let me know how you've been doing, and I hope we can be in touch. Can I just say that Isaiah 55, 11, the word of God does not return 
void. Empty. It doesn't return empty. Just sow the seed. I mean, Paul even said that. I sowed the seed. Look, somebody sowed a seed with me. And then somebody sowed the seed. It was my cousin's friend. Gave me a track. Put it in my Bible. Never read it. God, somebody came along, my cousin came along and said, hey, I want to help you. I want to share the gospel with you, is watering it. But let me make no mistake, no one, no human being was in my dorm room who then made the growth. The growth is the Lord's. I was saved by him, but he used us as tools to bring people to him. So good. It's awesome. So good. Okay. All right, I know you're all like waiting on the edge of your seat. So without further ado, I want to just say, don't put anything up there yet. I really felt like God, for all of us and our staff, I, we really strongly felt that we need to go on mission in this season. Despite the coronavirus and everything else, whether wherever you're at, whether it's real or hoax, it's real, by the way. It is real. People do get it. But it's not enough to keep us from mission. It's not enough to keep us from mission on campus, not enough to keep us on mission from our own neighborhoods. It is enough to actually keep us from international missions because they won't let us go. If they did, we'd go. But we're gonna, we're gonna go to Samaria. Not literally, I wish. But, <laughs> but we're, <laughs> it'd be wonderful if we could. We'd be cool to go to Samaria. Antioch, Samaria, woo! But, but we, are gonna, we are gonna pour into our nation which needs it really bad. This country really needs it more than ever. We need it. But also, I think there's a unique twist to it. I just said, God, okay, we want to go to a place that is our nation. We want to pray. Perf- you know, give us the timing, the details, all those things. But understand, we want to go to a place that has the nations. And of course, our own backyard does, right? I mean, it does. But we want to go. We want to go to a place where people have never heard the gospel. And what we did was we did some research and just found out, hey, okay, where, where could we go? Uh, where could we go? And also just enough change, just a weather change, you know, just get a little, just a little feel different here. Because uh, I'm, we all know we're baking here, right? And, and really, December could be 86 degrees and it just never ends. So, and I love Florida. I would never live anywhere else. But I, but I would say that this is, where, this is where God is calling us in this season to go. So October 29th, which is two day, a couple days before Halloween, which is the perfect time, we are going to declare the Reformation to these people. And then also, it is the day before the election. And we're also going to pray for our country while we're there. And we're going to cancel church on Sunday. Whether you go or not, you're not coming in these doors. And so... What you could do is, what you could do is pray, and that's not a little slight like, oh, you have to, that's no manipulation. It's just, I'm believing that our whole church can, is going to go, and if you're here, you're going to be on mission too, and you're going to go for prayer walks and, and pray for our nation and be very involved, and somehow we'll, we'll maybe uh, broadcast a live message from Detroit, Michigan, and the reason why we're going to Detroit, the reason why we're going to Detroit, okay, the reason why is because it is that has the highest Muslim population on the planet in the United States, okay? Not on the planet, United States. <laughs> I always like that. It's not, that's not true. It's in the United States. But <laughs> you can tell how excited I am. Okay, uh, Detroit, itself, Detroit itself has the high, one of the highest crime rates in the U.S. I mean, that's not, one of the, that's not the main reason. But the two specific uh, cities outside of Detroit, they're just like sm- uh, small suburbs, is Hamtramck and Dearborn. You can look it up. In fact, I was telling one of our guys that just said, we're, we're going to go. I'm not going to tell you the city, but we're going to the highest Muslim population in, in the United States. And, and first one comes up, Dearborn, Michigan. So it, is the, it has the largest uh, Islamic center and mosque in the U.S. It has 16 mosques in two miles. All the signs are written in Arabic. Uh, it is like you are in the Middle East, or at least Europe and many, many parts, Belgium, some other parts, Germany, that we've been to. Mainly Yemenis and uh, people from Bangladesh too as well, uh, high populations, which those are some of the most unreached. I know Caleb's reading a book on Yemen, uh, and I know that these are places, I know our guys in Ricard, Ricard from uh, a contact in Sweden, he goes to Bangladesh all the time, one of the most unreached places. And so this is, this is where we're going. We're going to do outdoor outreach, uh, maybe go door to door, we're going to go into the streets and share the good news of Jesus. If you've been with us and awaken, 
uh, one of the crazy things is that um, we just ha- we just don't know about it. We don't know about the spring. We don't know about any. We don't know the future. We're just saying, hey, by faith, God, you're leading us, and we're going to go. Of course, no pressure. We're not trying to pressure anybody. But here's the thing: if you're going to take up a beef, don't do it to me. Do it with him, because he said to go. He is the one that said, go and make disciples of what? All nations. He actually said to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So please don't write me an email. Talk to me. And don't, don't get mad at any one of our staff. They're amazing people. Don't do that. Talk to him. Go in your room. Close the door, as the Bible says in Matthew 6. Close the door. Yell, scream, shout, whatever you got to do. But get right with God. And just find out, why am I angry? Why am I frustrated? Why am I, why am I this? Why am I? It's, it's, it's okay to be that way. It's okay to wrestle. I'm wrestling. I've wrestled through this whole thing. It's not some flippant, oh, to go somewhere. No, it's God, where do you, what do you, where do you have for us in this season? Where everybody else is terrified. You said, fear not. You always, you said, fear not. Don't be afraid. He's with us. We're the people of God. Who else is there? that's going to show courage, fortitude. Who else is going to show the world that? No one. He's made us to do that. And it is a wrestle. I mean, we wrestle all the time. We're wrestling all the time. We also want to be cautious and not offensive and not purposely offend people. Or, but I would say, do it right. Go to your closet. Walk with God. Say, God, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know if I agree with this. And, and the agreeing thing a lot of times comes from because you're watching probably too much news. You don't want to take your cues about what Christians should do from the news. You want to take them from the one who saved us, our leader, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus. He's our captain, and we listen to him. And he's our father, and he will comfort us. The Holy Spirit will comfort us as we go out. And there will be fears. There will be fears. There will be, I don't know. I don't know about this and that. Maybe financially, whatever. And that's okay, but wrestle through that. Don't just throw that away because guess what? If it's not this, it'll always be something else. It will be because the enemy has come to steal, come to destroy. He's the author of fear. Did I say something funny? Okay. I just want to make sure. I just, I was like, I want to make sure I'm saying that right. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm only on page two of four. All right. So I I think we might have to maybe close. Okay. Well, let me just, let me just, let me just share this. All right. Paul also gave a clear vision of the apostolic ministry that he had. He's calling all us to, I think again, this is what I want you to go to Detroit with. This is what I want you to go on campus and go to the nations when finally the doors open. First Corinthians two to five. And I, I believe that this, this is what helps me. Reading these passages help me. I'm not trying to preach like, ah, these guys don't get, this helps me. I need this. I need, I, I'm going to need this when I go to Detroit and take our family. And it's nothing to do with like viruses and all these kinds of things. That's not it. It's the fear of like, I'm walking in, I'm, I'm walking on the streets of Detroit and I'm talking to somebody. I mean, they have, by the way, guys, you're going to eat really well probably uh, because these guys, if you ever been, had Middle Eastern food, my goodness, it's amazing. So, but if you, if you're on the streets, you're walking on the streets and you're sharing the gospel with people who already know in their mind that Allah is God and Jesus is not God. He's just a prophet. That's hard. That's intimidating. And we're going to have, I mean, people have spent some time in the Middle East. We're going to train you on that and learn how to do that together because we were supposed to be in Germany. We are supposed to be there this summer sharing the gospel with Muslims. And so this is not an easy task, but it is mandated by the Lord and we're going to get trained by it. It is very, it's very hard, but here's what helps me. So 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5 says, when I came to you, brethren, so he's coming to these foreign lands. Greece was full of gods. I did not come to you with superiority of speech and wisdom. In other words, he didn't come to them with trying to wow them with their speech or their tactics. He just said, I didn't have any of that stuff. I didn't come to you that way, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Not, not fear of man. Paul definitely didn't give in fear of man, but it's, 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 it's no low calling to do what we're doing. 
And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. We're not arguing. We're not twisting. We're not manipulating. We're proclaiming. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but the power of God. Can you imagine if you went there and you twisted people's arm, you came back here and you said, wow, I just saw 10 Muslims give their life to Christ. Then 10 years later, you went back there. They're not because they relied on your wisdom, not God's. Your wisdom will never save anyone. That's why we're all on the same playing field, including me. We're all, on, we're all walking together onto the airplane, flying there. Detroit will be like 40 degrees. I'll probably bless everybody in this room, I'm sure. Some, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> you'll have to wear a jacket, and you'll have to somehow vacuum seal the, the thing or just, what is that? The, the, what, you have to get all your luggage and seal it, like air, air seal it, because you have to pack everything in a small little box because you all be flying Spirit Airlines, Holy Spirit Airlines. So, it, yeah, it, it, you got to bring your whole life in this little ball. <laughs> Place it under your seat. Because they might fit another person under your seat at some point uh, as you fly, those people. Uh, uh, but anyways, so... But Jessica's going to explain everything you need to know about all that later. But understand that when we go, we're walking together and we're saying, we don't know what we're doing, but all I know is I've got to make Christ and him crucified. You build your church. You build your church. You just build your church. Use me. I'm a, I want to be a vessel. Second Corinthians, Tim, uh, uh, Second Timothy, just I want to be a, a vessel, a noble vessel to be used by you in the hands of the Lord. Romans 10, 14 and 15, but this is true. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth, he confesses resulting in salvation. For the spirit, so the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. I believe that they won't be disappointed if they hear, but for there will, is no, distri- they, they, this needs to happen next. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in all riches for all who call on him. For whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. This is part of Peter's message at the end. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him if they have not heard? The people in Detroit need to hear. And I don't think, I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's a whole lot of ministry happening in Detroit right now. I think po- pre-COVID, maybe some. I know there, there are some groups and we're going to be working with some. But certainly in this season, there's less, and there's less all around the world. That's why we, I, I've, I, if anything, I want you to, to, to feel the heart of God saying, oh, I want them to know, but I can't just go like this and save them. I could, but for whatever reason, he set up his economy, spiritual economy this way for you and me to go. We have to go. And of course, well, they go unless they are sent, unless they have a preacher and they're sent. And all of you are preachers. All of you, as I made the point here, all these scriptures, all of you are preachers. Every single one of you are called to preach the gospel. How beautiful are your feet of those who bring the good news. However, the good news, oops, however, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Jesus. Let's just believe that this seed that we cast out in Detroit together as a family, understand that it took so long to get us to this. We were riding on the, the, the waves in a lot of ways. We were riding on the fruit of many years in this church to fight for missions. These last two years, and we were going to bring 160 people to, to Germany. And it just seemed so normal. We just kept going. But all of a sudden, this happened, which I believe, as I said this before, I believe there's, the Lord is in the COVID. Of course, he doesn't want anyone to perish. But he's in it. He's, he's, he's helping us to, to pause and reflect and to see and to spend time with family and all those things. But also the enemy is behind it because he's got the sinister side to it. He's got, he's got the malicious side to it, to steal, kill, and destroy. But God's come to give life and take us through trials so that we might know him even better and produce character. So what I'm saying is let's use this opportunity as a way to go, to be a people of fortitude and courage can you imagine? Guys, it's going to be easy. They'll be like, where, where, where are you coming from? As you're like freezing, chill, like, you're not from here, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> you're super tan. Where are you from? But 
we're from Florida. What are you doing here? We're sharing the gospel with you. During this season? What are you doing? You're crazy. I know we flew Spirit Airlines. We are. <laughs> but we're crazy. We are. Well, who are you here with? Our whole church? Well, how many are those guys? Everybody. Everybody? Yes. Everybody. Well, what message do you have? I'm all ears. Jesus has come for you. He loves you. He's died for you. He loves you. He's given his life for you. And just as, as much as he risked his life for you, we're risking our lives for you. And you tell me if they won't listen to that. I can't guarantee it, but it's certainly a door opener. All right. So good. All right, the rest, okay, it's, it's probably not necessarily worth going through all of it, but just to, to at least, if anything, do justice to the law, I'll just read this. But Peter, taking his hand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. There's a, there's a place that, come on, I, I want you to know. I want you to give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. It's 9 a.m., even those who have an alcohol problem don't get drunk at 9 a.m. Men of Judea, we're not drunk. We're filled with the Spirit. And we have a message to proclaim to you. Thousands got saved that day. 3,000 to be exact. Amazing. Also, I just want to say what is so amazing about this passage is a reversal of Genesis 11. You see... Tower of Babel, all the languages were confused. They couldn't understand. There's no way for them to understand. Because they were prideful, they tried to be like God, which was their biggest reason why they got themselves into this mess in Genesis 3. They wanted to be like God and their eyes be opened. And God said, the only way, the only way they're going to actually understand me, the only way that they're actually going to come to me is I'll confuse their languages. And you might think, well, well that's cruel. Because God, God needs to change our hearts. There's a heart that needs to change. And so he, 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 he makes us desperate for our own, for, our, for, for it's the grace of God to make us desperate, to lead us, to use the law, to lead us to repentance. In Genesis 11, it was reversed. And on that day at Pentecost, the words were spoken in their languages and they understood it. In Genesis 11, no one understood it. In Acts 2, they understood it. And this is what Pentecost is ultimately all about. But this is what is spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. It shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The term last days is a common expression in the Old Testament that the, that the, the Messiah would come. See, the Jews, they didn't understand this at the time, but in one sense in Isaiah 53 says that the suffering servant's gonna come, but then in Isaiah 9 says that he's gonna rule and reign. Well, how did that, they didn't put those two together. They didn't realize that there would be this great chasm between his first coming and his second. But now that's what they, these people preached. We could preach the New Testament, but all they had, remember, is the Old Testament. They didn't have, they didn't write this down and then email everybody. They didn't have that. They didn't have the New Testament until about 80, 70 or 80, 90 to, to that late until the New Testament was finally sealed in the canon of scripture and finalized 66 books of the Bible that we have that are no are true. And so this would be two purposes. He would come and he would come again. If you want to take some of these things down, 1 John 2.18 is very important that this is the last hour. Understand when, when, what he was talking about is these are the last days. Can I just say we've been in the last days for the last 2,000 years? Because the last days started when Jesus ascended to heaven. These are the last days. But perhaps, maybe, this is not an official statement, but perhaps, maybe, we're in the last days of the last days. I don't know. But it seems like 
Those people understood in Second First Thessalonians, they understood they were waiting. Paul was waiting. We we're all waiting for Jesus to come back. What a glorious, amazing thing. We're ready. We're ready to, to see him. We want to see him. We're anticipating him. If you don't, maybe you're too comfortable in this life. But something will disturb that. And you could grab onto this amazing message of Jesus is coming back. Now, of course, that was being the first part of Joel 2, as they read that. The, the first part of that is, is, was, was happening. I mean, they, these people were being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were, they were filled with God, and they were prophesying and all these things. But then the second half, you didn't see, I mean, at the time, there's, there's no proof that the moon uh, and, and the vapor and the smoke and the, the, the blood and all that stuff, that, that stuff is coming later. And if I have anything to really invite you into today, is please don't experience that. Make sure today you know that you're his. Make sure today that you know without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, that you are his. And Revelation mentions blood, mentions fire, and Revelation 8, Revelation 9 mentions the smoke. Matthew 24 mentions these things would accompany his second coming. Those things will happen. Those crazy cosmic things will actually happen please don't let it be too late. Ultimately, what I want more than anything is for every person in this room is to know Jesus. For every person to know him, I'll just invite the worship team to come up. And I'm sorry, we are a little over it's 15 minutes. But I remember someone, one of my, one of my mentors, he said, you know, how, do you, how long do you need to preach? How long do you need to preach? Enough until the people get it. Enough, the Holy Spirit's moving. There's times where it's like, okay, we're done, you know, but don't pay attention You'll never, 20 years from now, you'll never worry that you are 15 minutes over. Promise, you won't. And if you're that offended, again, check the heart. Because God wants us to know the scriptures. They're good, they're full of life. They're full of life. And so again, I, I, I do want to invite anyone who personally just wants to say yes to Jesus. If somebody here just does not know the Lord, but, and, and you heard what I was saying, maybe you feel like you're a, pro, uh, maybe you feel like you're a Pharisee. You feel like, I just, I feel like I know a lot about God, but I'll tell you, man, I, when you're preaching, when you share the gospel, when you're preaching the word, I just, I feel like I'm on the outside looking in, but I want to be on the inside. I want my heart. Do you understand that it is a miracle? It's a miracle that God would open up someone's heart I should never twist anyone's arm here to read the Bible. Nobody ever did that to me. You know that you're his by the fruit, and part of the fruit is having a hunger for his word. Having fruit to love your neighbor. The fruit of going on mission to share the gospel and being like, I don't do it well. That's not a fruit of salvation. It's nothing to do with anything. That's equipping. We'll just, you'll get better at it. But, ne- you know, never having a desire, I don't really care. I mean, I don't care where. Check your heart with that. And all of us, sometimes it's just this pure selfishness. We just need to go, God, God, I repent because I, I, I'm selfish. I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so into my life that I forget that there's others who are perishing around the world. I forget that. Help me not to forget that again. I don't want to forget that anymore. So again, if if that's you and you're just like, I, I just want to give my life to him. I want to place my faith and my trust in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of my sins. And I want the Holy Spirit to dwell in me richly. Would you please just, again, the Bible says that if we're ashamed of him on earth, we'll be ashamed of us, company and my father in the presence of many angels. And so that's you, please. Come. Just come over here and just stand up and come over here and we'll pray for you and we'll have some leaders pray for you. But just come. Come give your life to him. He's worth it. He really is. He's everything. He's everything. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Caesar's not Lord. But he is. He's worthy of our lives. And then also for the rest of us who are just maybe cold and rusty in mission and cold and rusty and just getting out there again. Guys, we're we're an evangelistic church, meaning we 
not only believe the gospel, we live the gospel, and we preach the gospel. We preach him and him crucified, knowing that the power doesn't come from us, but him. And so let's just give our lives again, and and let's wrestle with this. Let's wrestle with this invitation to go to Detroit. Let's just say, come on, God, I want to be there. I want to be there by the end of today. I want to be there by the end of this week. I want to trust you with this. And I want to go for the right reasons. Not because I have FOMO and I feel like I'm missing out on things or I feel like I miss. Don't do that. Go for the right reasons. Go for the right reasons. And if you're on the fence, just doesn't hurt to go. I mean, I know that when I go on mission, I just become better at it. I, I just, I know how, I mean, I, I, something gets catalyzed in me for more to come back and to do the same here. There's something powerful. And of course, that's a testimony that will continue to bear fruit like it was in New Orleans just in the spring. So six months later now, we're going to another Samaria. We're going to another, another place in our country to say, God, change, her. change us. Change this country. Change me. I certainly don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to try to take the log out of the United States or take the speck out of the United States and have a log in my eye. I want to make sure I deal with the log. Deal with the log. There's no better place than here. So let's just stand to our feet. If you need prayer, please, I, I, I sometimes I forget this, but there are people that would love to pray for you. And if you just come up and I mean, you might have one of our life group leaders or section leaders, zone pastors to come and, uh, and, and lay hands on you and pray for you. Uh, and if you have something specific, of course, we'd love to do that. And so Father, we thank you for never changing. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the invitation. And God, would you even just Even in in our own lives, God, would you give us the boldness and the courage to believe that this gospel will be preached to all nations, to all people groups, and the end will come. And God, we want to get this to the people, the Muslims in in Detroit, to the Americans, to all people, of course, to all people everywhere, to sow seed broadly, to invest strategically in the ones that are hungry, and to bear fruit like a year later. We never know, church. We never know what a year later the, the people in Japan, it, it bore fruit multiple different ways. And we're going to believe that in New Orleans, the same thing. We might hear stories in heaven or here this side. We're, we're going to also hear stories maybe years down the road of Muslims coming to Jesus in Detroit. God, I pray that you would replace the mosques with churches, Jesus. Would you replace it, God? Would you, would you begin to tear down the strongholds there by using, again, the word of God, not our speech, not the loudness of our voice or the charismatic part of us? Uh, we can't. God, you only can change. And so, Jesus, would you change us from the inside out? Would you give us what we need? God, would you get, take the religiosity out of us? God, we have, you, know, you have to live with yourself. We have to live with ourselves in our closet, in our room. You're not impressing anybody with your religiosity. Repent. Repent now for your religiosity. It's smug. It's prideful. It's offensive to a holy God who saved you in your pride, gave you grace. With that same love, love other people and give them grace. Like that woman who came in and with her own tears, she wiped the feet of Jesus and cleansed and that Pharisee had said, what are you doing? He says, oh, those who love much, forgive much, and those who forgive much, love much, they, they understand the gospel. She understands, and, and she understands that it's worth giving our whole lives. I pray that we would be like that. We would not be like Simon the Pharisee, but oh, but we would be like that woman, understanding that, God, you have given us so much grace. You've given us so much love, so much mercy. Can we just at least say yes and giving it to other people who are in that same place and may we treat each other the believers here in this room with love courage mercy grace in jesus name